I tell you, that is so exciting. You know, we finished up a series on being a witness as we went through the book of Acts. We finished that up two weeks ago. It was exciting to see how many people we had going through that study together. We had uh, almost 75, 80% of our church was connected to a small group as we went through that series. And it was so exciting to hear about the things that they learned, how God was working in and through them. And uh, it just does my heart so good uh, just to see how the Spirit of God is at work, uh, not just in us, but in our community as well. So I want to thank Amanda for her testimony. Hey, if you have a story you'd like to share, um, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. So you can go to our website, springbook.org slash stories. Um, we'd love to hear how God's working in your life. We'll, uh, you don't have to share it online, but we would at least like to hear your uh, story. So be sure to share that with us. Um, we are kicked off a, uh, a three-week series on Thanksgiving. We're in week two um, today. Well, last week we looked at the fact that God is in control. He has a plan. And today we're going to be looking at uh, just uh, God gives us hope. So we're looking at Thanksgiving and the hope um, that God uh, provides us as a result of uh, who we are in Christ. And I just want to ask you, just before we get started, um, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Um, How many times do you think that you use the word hope in a sentence? And so think about this past day, maybe this morning. You know, how many times do you use the word hope in a sentence? I hope our kids get up in the morning. I hope that uh, it doesn't rain. I hope that you have a great day. I say hope a lot because I tell people, I, I hope you have a great day. And so how many times do you think that you say hope, maybe in a day or maybe a week? I think you'd be surprised by it if you actually gave it some thought. I hope school's canceled. Parents are going, oh man, I hope it's not canceled. You know, send them, you know. I mean, we all hope for different things, don't we? In fact, if you're watching online with us right now, if you're on springbrook.live, in the chat, I want you to complete this sentence for me. I hope that what? You know, what are you hoping for right now? And so if you're on springbrook.live, just put in the chat, what are you hopeful for? I hope what? Or if you're on Facebook in the comment section, just put, I hope what? I'm curious to see if people are thinking about how many times they think about things that they hope for. You know, if you're by yourself or maybe uh, if you're with somebody right now, just turn to them and say, I hope that what? Fill in the blank. I hope that what? Share that with somebody. You know, we uh, all hope uh, for something. And it's interesting because I was looking at just different English words. I'm fascinated by uh, the languages. And so um, the most popular word, the most used word in the English language is the, and then it's a. And so the articles really, you know, sweep it when it comes to the English language. Uh, But the word hope is in the top 1% of words that are used in the English language. It is a high-volume word. It gets used a lot. And uh, whether you recognize it or not, we all just sometimes flippantly say we hope for things without really understanding what it means to hope for something. And so this morning, we want to talk about being thankful because of the hope that God provides. God provides us hope, and it's different from the hope that we think about when we use the word. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to be in Romans um, chapter 8. If you have a Bible with you, um, just turn to the middle, start going to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Get to Romans, we're going to be in chapter 8. If you are watching online, springbrook.live, there's a little tab down at the bottom that says open the Bible. And so you can open the Bible up right there uh, with us as well. If you've got your iPhone with you, you open that up this morning. But we're going to we'll look at a couple passages in Romans uh, chapter 8 that are going to give us a better understanding for the hope that God provides and as a result, why we can be thankful. 
You know, if you missed the uh, message last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. You know, we talked about the fact that God has a plan, and it really laid the foundation for our series on being thankful. You know, God does have a plan, and God does provide us hope, and those are definitely something that we can be thankful for. Because you see, in the beginning of creation, you know, the world was, the world was perfect. We were in God's presence, and we, and we had the knowledge of good, but not the knowledge of evil at the beginning. And then sin entered into the world, and it messed it all up. You know, in Romans chapter uh, uh, 5, verse 12, it says, Sin came into the world through one man and through death through sin. And so death is spread to all men because all have sinned. You see, sin has entered into the world and it has messed everything up. In fact, everything that you see going on around you right now is a result of sin that has entered into the world. And we all can't escape it. You know, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has a sin problem and it affects all of us. At one point, it was just good. We didn't have knowledge of evil, but there was disobedience in the garden, and sin entered into the world, and now we have the knowledge of good and evil, and sin has affected everything, all of our relationships. It's affected the earth. It has affected everything. Sin came into the world, and everything that we see that is wrong with the world today is a result of sin that has entered into the world you know, we looked at that last week. We talked about God's design was perfection. We were in his presence. Sin entered the world, and now we have brokenness, and we're all experiencing that um, brokenness. But the good news is this, that God had a plan, and that's what we looked at last week, that even in, this, in spite of the fact that the world's fallen and broken, if we repent and we believe in Jesus Christ as God, that he died on the cross for our sins, we can begin to recover and to restore that original relationship that we have with God, and we can begin to pursue and rediscover God's plan for us. You know, Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the great news. You know, God had a plan from the beginning of time to rescue us from our own sin problem. You know, so now we live in this broken world. You know, we know that we have the fall, we know that the world's broken, and we know that our hope is in the fact that because of our faith in Christ, we have the assurance of heaven. And so we experience hope today. But our faith is, the, is, is something that is foundational if we're going to experience hope. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things that are not seen. And so our faith is the foundation for our hope. You know, and it's interesting to think about. I've been pondering this past week about the impact of what this means for us. And, um, you know, I, it was funny because I had a couple of different thoughts. I... I uh, I, I like to read. I'm an ad, avid reader. And, and so I'm constantly thinking about this issue and, and how can I help people to understand the fullness of God's plan uh, for them, for our church. And so I spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about how this book engages with our lives. You know, it's one of the reasons that I'm in ministry. I went into ministry because as I was reading through this book, I realized how come other people don't know this? It's a life-transforming book, and, and God placed on my call a desire to do that full-time. But, you know, you don't have to go into ministry to, to be a missionary. God's working in your life, and you have a story, and you can share that with other people around you. In fact, that's what Springbrook is. We want to equip the saints for ministry so that they can be effective in their world, in their workplace, in their families, in their neighborhood, and in their world. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the solution for our problem. I am convinced without a shadow of doubt 
that God's word enables us to live out this life that God has called us to. But we live in a, in a period of brokenness. And there's a clash sometimes between what we find in Scripture and what we find in the world. And we have to navigate with people how to navigate those waters. And sometimes it can be difficult. You know, I've done a lot of reading with Diedrich Bonhoeffer. You know, I've always wondered, I've, al- I've always wondered when I look at history. I'm not, I, I'm somewhat of a history buff, but, you know, I like history. But when I think about, when I think about uh, just how many Jews were put to death in concentration camps during the Holocaust. I can't help but wonder. That's, that's some severe brokenness. And I can't help but wonder, where was the church in that time, in that period of brokenness? I mean, sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, it's difficult for me to stand here and talk about the love that God has for us, the hope that God has for us. And so I get, we can get so rooted in God's word that, that sometimes navigating into cultural brokenness can be an issue. And it's difficult to talk about because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the cultural brokenness because I know that Christ and his word are the solution. And so we went through a period this past May with the uh, killing of, of Joy Floyd and, and, and race reconciliation became a serious issue. And I had many friends that were addressing that from the pulpit. And we were in the middle of a peacemaker series. And I was convinced that if we taught people how to listen to one another, how to talk to one another, and we worked on our relationships, that that was the key to racial reconciliation. And so I didn't feel the need to really address race. Now, I was intentional about talking to every single one of my black friends. Hey, is there something in my life that you think I need to be concerned about? When you think about this church, is there something that we need to be concerned about? And so I wasn't deaf to it, but I didn't feel the need to address it as a main topic from, this, from, a, from a message perspective, because I know that God's word is what ultimately is the solution to this problem. You know, we went into an election season, and I knew this election season, we, we were in the middle of COVID. Um, we're coming off of quarantine. We're dealing with masks, no masks. I mean, there's just so much tension around COVID right now. And then I knew the election was coming. And so when I was kind of praying, I thought, you know what? In spite of everything that's going on in our world right now, we can be thankful We can be thankful that God has a plan. He gives us hope. He is good. And so it was my prayer as we went into this series that God would use his word and our sermons and this series and our relationships to strengthen us to be able to address and confront and and deal with any issues that have come up. But you know, it's been interesting because, you know, as we've gone through this past several weeks, I can't tell you how many times I've caught myself off guard, whether it's a comment or something that's been said and how many people have said to me, I've heard this so many times, well, you're a pastor, you're not allowed to have that opinion. I'm thinking, well, wait a second, I'm also a citizen. And so the conversations I've been pulled into have been really a challenge for me in my faith and, and my role as a lead pastor. And what is the role of the church? When we're, when we're faced with this brokenness, how can we be silent. There's some things that we have to speak into, but God's word's got to be the thing that speaks into it. Because if we make the issue the issue, then that's the problem. Because God's word is what we should be focused on. And so I was just kind of reflecting back on this past week, and I hope that I hope that people made an informed decision about who to vote for. Uh, at the end of the day, I really don't care who people vote for. Um, I'm hoping that we make a decision that when we look at policies and we talk about government, that we make an informed decision. But now the election's over, and it needs to be over. And so I'm looking around at all the chaos and the tension and the conversations, and I'm thinking, you know, there's something about this situation that just, it's broken. 
And it is broken. And you know why it's broken? Because it's not a part of God's original design. You know, it's interesting because the Israelites, God's chosen people at one point had judges over them. They had judges. They didn't have a governmental system. And they started looking around and they said, hey, we want a king like everybody else. In 1 Samuel 8, the, the elders of Israel, they gathered together and they came to Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, the, the priest, and he was at Ramah, and they said to him, look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. We don't want this judge system anymore. We don't want to be under your rule. We don't want to be under judges. There's something deficient about that. We want to be like everybody else, and we want a king over us. Appoint us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice. Give them what they're asking for. For they are not rejecting you, but they are rejecting me from being king over them. You know, every one of us has a problem with authority. If you don't think you have a problem with authority, when was the last time you got happy about being pulled over and getting a speeding ticket? Or when was the last time a police officer came to your door and you're thinking, oh, hey, good to see you? They're law enforcement officers, and everything that they, everything that they have to deal with is laws being broken, and, and there's tension there, isn't there? Well, you know what? There's tension in God's Word as well, because it tells us how to live out our life. It tells us how to live the life that God has planned for us, but our brokenness is constantly at battle with what God has for us. And we live in this broken world, and we have to deal with it. And I know that God's Word is the solution. You know, and it's, it's difficult because there's times when I feel like, you know, I, I, I want to say something, but it's like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, it's interesting, you know, how people think. You know, it was funny. We had, one of the, we had one of the lowest offerings we had last weekend. And so I was thinking, well, it wasn't because I talked about marriage between a man and a woman, was it? <laughs> you, know, you start thinking about the things that affect people. People make decisions about what church they're going to go to based on what they're going to hear. And if they don't like what they hear, then they find another church. And people move around like that. And it's just a reality of what we're dealing with. Not everybody comes walking in the front door going, hey, I am really looking forward to submitting myself to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to do everything he tells me to do. Because it's difficult, which is why we need each other. We need to encourage one another. And these are not things that are going to get resolved in conversations on Facebook, for example. <laughs> you can't talk about COVID. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about those things on Facebook. In fact, I have, uh, many of you have already mentioned to me, I, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I am going to remove my account because I tell you, I've been on Facebook since it started. I was one of the first adults that were on there. I was at seminary. Uh, I was in my 30s. Uh, you had to, you know, when it first came out, it was for students only. It was like, well, I'm a student. So I think I was the oldest person on Facebook. I've been on it for a long time. And you know what? The entire time I've been on it, do you know how many people that I have had an opportunity to, to lead into having a relationship with Jesus Christ? None. No one. Do you know how many people I've had arguments with about whether God is real or not? A thousand. Do you know how many people whose mind I've changed as a result of those conversations? None. It's just not fruitful. It takes my time. I love sharing pictures of my family, but you know what? It, it just, it's a distraction from, from, from this in my mind. And so I'm still navigating this myself. I don't know what this looks like for you. But I can tell you this world has fallen and it's broken and we all have to find our way and how to navigate it. And I'm convinced that God's word is the solution. Jesus Christ is enough for me. Jesus is enough for me. In Psalm 18, the psalmist writes, I love you, Lord. 
Lord of my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shelter and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Christ is enough for me. And it is there that I place my hope. You see, the world has hope, but it's completely different from the hope that God provides us as a result of who we are in Christ. The only real hope that is going to give you peace, the only hope that is going to last, the only hope that will never let you down is found in Christ alone. And so when we look at Hebrews 11, 1, we look at a passage like that, it says that, it says that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. And so that word assurance is, is important because faith comes, our hope comes from our faith. The word assurance means it's the source of, it's the support, it's the substance of. And so faith is the support of our hope. It is the source of our hope. It is the substance of our hope. It is the steadiness of our hope. And without Christ, there is no hope. Now, you can try to find worldly hope, and you can hope your team wins. If there's two teams playing, and you're both hoping to win, guess what? Somebody's going to be disappointed because both teams can't win. There's a worldly hope and a way that we use that term that we don't fully understand the hope that God provides for us. And it's so important that we understand that difference. Faith is who we are in Christ. It's knowing that God does have a plan for me. It's being secure in that relationship. And as a result, hope grows out of that. And so the hope that God provides grows out of who we are in Christ. Now, Paul has spent the last several chapters uh, in Romans, chapters 1 through 7, explaining our faith. He has explained God's judgment against sinners. God is perfect, and he is holy, and we are not. And there's a separation because of that. And they're not going to mix. And there's going to be a judgment. And so Paul talks about that. That's why it's so important for him to understand that, for us to understand that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We have a sin problem. We have a separation from God problem. And so Paul spends some time addressing that issue At the beginning of Romans, he explains our need for a relationship with Christ. He explains what it means to have saving faith. And he explains the power of grace over the law. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a gift that God has been given. There's not by works so that no one can boast. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. It's a gift and it's called grace. And so Paul explains the need for our relationship with Christ. He explains the power of grace. And as he moves into chapter 8, and now that he has rooted us securely in who we are in Christ and in our faith, he gives us three promises about God's hope that I want to share with you this morning. There's three promises about God's hope that we want to look at this morning, beginning with verse 18 in uh, chapter 8. Paul writes this, He says, I consider the sufferings of this present time. I consider the brokenness of this present time. I consider everything that's not going right at this present time. I consider everything that I've been through, all the suffering of this present age. 
they are not worth even comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The sufferings of this present age cannot even be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. You know what? God's glory, it's it's almost impossible to talk about. You You just can't compare them. You know, he's talking about the sufferings of this world. He's contrasting it to what we're looking forward to. And he says it, it pales in comparison. In Isaiah 60, it says that the Lord is an everlasting light. It's a bright light. It is so bright that we can't look on it. God's glory is so bright. In Revelation chapter 21, it says that the city has no need of the sun or the moon. We don't even need a sun. We don't need the sun in heaven because God's glory is so bright, it illuminates everything. The glory of God is illuminating, and, it, it, and, it, and the Lamb is, is like the lamp. You know, glory in our present world, there's just no comparison. It is so great that it pales, you know, that this earth pales in comparison. Think about how much time we spend our jobs and working and buying. We're going through life right here. Everything that we're doing right now, it, it's, you know, it's short term. And it pales in comparison to the glory of God. And so Paul talks about that. And as he gets ready to move towards talking about hope, he wants to help us understand that this is what we're comparing our, to our world versus God's. And it pales in comparison. You know, we are justified by faith in Christ. And so when you come into a relationship with Christ, when you ask Christ to come into your life, when God looks down at you, he sees his son and you are forgiven. And so that's why the relationship with Christ is so important. He's the only thing that bridges that gap. And when you make a faith commitment and you become a Christ follower, you become a Christian, um, Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, um, you you identify with him through baptism. You begin growing in the Christian life. You start reading your Bible, and then you start growing in your faith. And there's a difference between being justified and growing. The big $10 word for growing is sanctification. You're justified, and then you're sanctified. That sanctification is a process. You're justified one time. If you made a faith commitment, if you've asked Christ to come into your life, if you've been baptized, if you, if you were a Christian at one point, now you're thinking, well, I've kind of fallen you, know, you just need to go back and remember your story. When did Jesus call you into a relationship with himself? You know, we're justified one time. You don't need to keep making faith commitments. You don't need to keep getting baptized. You don't need to keep doing these things. You're justified one time when you ask Christ to come into your life. The old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creature, and you're justified before God. And then you start to grow in your faith in this process of sanctification. And that's what's in that pit. You know, we're, we're in this broken world We've got one foot in heaven because we're Christ followers, and we've got one foot in this world because, hey, we're here, and we're having to work our faith out. And Paul talks about the fact that it's important that we, we run this race with endurance because we know where we're headed. We know the prize that we're seeking to, and so we're, we're consistently having to work our faith out. We're growing in faith. And, and, then, the, and then at one point, what's going to happen is we're going to be glorified. We go from justified to sanctified to we're going to be glorified. We're going to get new bodies. You know, the Bible says when Jesus comes back, you're going to get a new body. Now, you know what? I know it sounds strange to you, but that's the reality of what happens 
in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is very clear. When Jesus comes back, if you're dead and your body's in the ground, you're going to be reunited with your spirit. You're going to get a new body. If you're still alive, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, you're going to be changed. You're going to get a new body. And you're going to take on that glory that God has, and you're going to be shiny and new. And that's what we have to look forward to. And if, if, if I die before Christ comes back, my body goes in the ground, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise, I will be in God's presence if I have a relationship with Christ or not, if I don't. And then when Christ returns, I'm going to be physically in God's presence or not, depending upon what I've done with Christ. And so that, that hope that we have is rooted in our faith and who we are in Christ, and we're going to be glorified, and we're going to be in God's presence we're going to be in God's presence forever. It's, it's so overwhelming to think about the reality of that. And if you stop to think about it, your mind's going to hit a wall because it's indescribable. You know, it was interesting because I was thinking about how do you describe heaven to somebody? I was thinking about that this morning. I thought, you know what? That's a no-win situation. <laughs> I can't describe something that's indescribable. But what we can do is we can look at Scripture and we can get a glimpse of what this hope is that we have. You know, it's interesting. It is, it, it is so spectacular. It is so splendorous. I mean, it's just, it, it's just overwhelming. And it's so overwhelming that even the earth is going to cry out about this coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happens in verse 19. All of creation, it says, waits all of creation. You know what that is? That's the trees, that's the animals, that's the rocks, that's the dirt. Because remember in the fall, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that got cursed, was it? Cursed is the ground because of you. We all are living under a curse. The earth is living under a curse right now. We're all under a curse. Even creation right now, right now creation is waiting with an eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for Christ's return and for the revelation of all the believers to come together. For creation was subject to the fertility as well. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Remember? Adam messed up in the garden. God curses them. He is the only one that has the ability to subject everything to the curse. Because of him who objected it. But in hope, all of creation itself is going to be set free from its bondage to corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We are going to experience a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be great. And all of creation right now is groaning, waiting for that moment. It is so glorious. Pick up a rock when you get out of here. That rock is an inanimate object. I mean, what? it's a rock. It's groaning. <laughs> it's a part of creation and it's groaning for the return of Christ. It is so good that everything's going to groan and wait. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together from the pains of childbirth until now. Not only all of creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the fulfillment of this adoption of sons. What are you groaning for today? What are you looking forward to? What are you hoping for? You know, there is something so wonderful that we're waiting for that it can't even be described. And, it, and it's really, it is overwhelming. In fact, it was funny today because as I'm pondering all these things, um, many of you are following me. I use the YouVersion Bible app and I'm going through a uh, Bible 2020 plan. And so 
it's a one-year daily devotional through Scripture, and, and, uh, and every seven days it changes. And so I went on there today, and, and, and for the next seven days, I'm going to be following along with a devotion that talks to me and gives me a glimpse of heaven. What's heaven like? That's my theme for the next seven days. And so I, it's funny because I started looking ahead, right? It's like I'm getting ready to talk about heaven. And it's like, give me some descriptions. And you know what? Everything that I've found just falls short. God's glory is so bright we don't need the sun. God's glory is so awesome that even all of creation is groaning and waiting for Christ's second coming. It's going to be awesome. Hope is the byproduct of our faith in Christ. And the first promise that we see of, of, of God's hope that we can be thankful for is that we have the assurance of heaven. And I'm telling you something, that is a big deal. That is something for us to be thankful for because I'm going to live maybe 70, 80. You know, Psalm 90, 10 is one of my favorite verses. I forgot to look up today. I actually track how many days I've been alive, how many I got left. If I live to be 80, assuming that, you know, my dad's already now. My grandmother lived to be 95, so I'm, hopefully I'll be on borrowed time at some point. But at some point, I am not going to be here. And I am going to be someplace else. And I want that assurance of heaven. And I can't tell you, when I'm talking to people, do you know you're going to heaven? If your answer to that question is, I hope so, that is worldly hope. And it does not work. Because if you don't know with certainty that you're going to heaven, then you don't have saving faith and you don't have the hope that God promises us and that's just something to be thankful for. We need to start by understanding our need for relationship with Christ and out of that, our hope comes. I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody listening to me this morning thinking, I hope I'm going to get to heaven because that is worldly hope. It's not the saving faith hope that we find in scripture that Paul assures us of. You know, one of the promises of God that we can be thankful for is we have the assurance of heaven. And I am thankful for that. We have the assurance of heaven. Whatever brokenness you're experiencing right now, you need to know that there is hope that comes through Christ. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know that there is brokenness in our world. I've had some conversations this past week that people are experiencing brokenness. I've experienced brokenness. You know, we all experience periods of brokenness. You know, it was so, it was so encouraging. I, I know I've talked with it a couple of times, you know, my, uh, just about the things that our family has been through. And, you know, I have learned over the past several years that every single day that we have is a gift. We're not insured tomorrow. You're not insured the rest of the afternoon or whenever you're watching this message. You are not assured of anything beyond tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. Anything could happen. But you can be assured of this. You have the assurance of heaven if you have a relationship with Christ. And that's something to be thankful for. We're going to be made new. The earth is going to be made new. And the second promise that we get from God's word that we're going to look at in verses 26 through 27 is that the, the promises of God bring to us the assurance that his spirit will strengthen us. We can be thankful because we know that the Holy Spirit is going to strengthen us. That's a hope that we have. That I'm not going through this life alone, right? God exists. He's not just a higher power that created and ran. You know, God's Spirit fills us to help us in our, weaken, in our weakness. He, he fills us in our brokenness, and He gives us strength. Picking up in verse 24, 26, I mean, He says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is mindful of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so we know that we have the Holy Spirit and he is working in us right now. He's working in us in our weakness. He's working in us through our brokenness. And if you don't have a testimony of saving faith in Christ right now, it says the Holy Spirit is prompting you and drawing you into a relationship with himself. That's John 6, No one comes to the Son unless the Spirit of God draws him. And so the Holy Spirit is working in our life, whether you recognize it or not. For a Christ follower, that Holy Spirit comes inside and strengthens us. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, then it's external, and it's drawing you into a relationship with himself. But the Holy Spirit is this. He's, he's alive, and he's at work, and he's active, and he groans for you. The Holy Spirit groans for you with a groaning that is so deep, it's, an ex, it's indescribable. It's like heaven. There's a groaning that is so deep, it is too deep for words, Paul says. And so search your heart. Let the Holy Spirit strengthen you today. We know that one of the promises of God, because of who we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that will give us strength, that will see us through whatever we're going through. And that is something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for God's hope because it gives me the assurance of heaven. I'm thankful for God's hope because he promises me the, the Holy Spirit. The third promise that we know is that we know that God is at work in our lives. He's at work through us through the Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 28, it says this, and we know that for those who love God, that all things are going to what? They're going to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those that he foreknew, he also predestined. He conformed them. He's conforming them into the image of of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. He calls us into a relationship with himself. He fills us with his spirit and he transforms us and he changes us. And to those whom he also called justified and to those he justified, he also glorifies. God is at work in our lives. There is not some arbitrary higher power overseeing the cosmic waves. I don't know. There's a God that loves us, that loves us enough. He demonstrated that, that he sent his son And we can have a relationship with him. His spirit fills us and his relationship with us is alive and it's vibrant and it's real and it's life transforming. God works in our lives. He works all things out together for good. He conforms us and he molds us and he shapes us into the image of his son. And it's a process. Jesus was perfect and I am not. But we are constantly trying to conform ourselves to the likeness of Jesus. I don't want to look like the people around me. I want to look like Christ. I want that to be my role model. Paul says, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Paul didn't want anybody to look like him. We need to constantly be evaluating our lives based on what we find in Scripture, based on what we find in the life of Christ, and we need to try to be more like that. We need to love others like Christ loved others. We need to serve others like Christ served others. Christ is our model, and God is conforming us into the likeness of his son, and it's a process, and he's active in it. And so if you're going through, if you're feeling some tension in your life today, it's the process of God squeezing you and informing you into the likeness of his son. 
If you don't have a relationship with Christ and you feel the tension of God calling you and to say, hey, maybe I need to make a faith commitment. You know, maybe I need to get baptized. Baptism is the first step of obedience. It's the easiest thing to do as a Christ follower is to get baptized. Or maybe you need to get involved in picking up your Bible. You know, we, you know just kind of reading, reading God's Word. There's all kinds of things that the Spirit of God conforms us into the image of His Son. Jesus read God's Word, and we, that's our model. God conforms us. He's living, and He's active, and He's given you a spiritual gift. He's given you a spiritual gift to be used to build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. For you are his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus to do the works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And so God's got a plan and a purpose for you. You've been given a spiritual gift. Every believer has a spiritual gift. And so we look for opportunities to use our spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. And I tell you, it's hard because I know what my calendar looks like. I know what your calendar looks like. And the thought of being able to spend some time serving God and building up the body of Christ doesn't come naturally. There's a lot of things you could be doing with your time right now. But the idea of coming together to worship God is something that we do as we worship Him and are conformed into the image of Christ. You know, these are things that we live out. And then ultimately, people are going to see Christ in you. That's my prayer. That's my prayer that people would see Christ in me. That they would not see me, but they would hear God's word through me. It's my prayer that as we glorify ourselves, it's not for our own purposes that we glorify ourselves. It's for other people can see Christ in us. That's a process of glorification. And that's what Paul's writing about. He says, look, I've called you, you've justified you, and I'm going to glorify you. That's what God's going to do. And, you know, he's at work in our lives. He cares about us. He has a plan for us. And that is hope that I can place my faith in and be thankful for. In Romans, beginning of our time together, we looked at the beginning of Romans, talks about the fact that God showed his love for us and this where we're still sinners. Christ died for us. Um, We know that um, God has a plan for us in that. As you read the, the rest of Romans, as you're going through Romans 5, we know that the whole world has fallen into sin because of the act of one man. Adam and Eve brought it all on us all. Uh, it's Adam's responsibility. We talked about that last week. But because of the sin of one man, um, all of the earth, all of creation is broken. But Romans 5.17, though, says this. If one man's trespass, if through the one man's trespass, trespass death is going to reign you know, through him, how much more how much more will those who receive the abundance of God's grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life to the one man, Jesus Christ? You know, we are in a fallen condition because of Adam. How much more then can we reign in righteousness and can we reign and live this life that God called out for us apart from Christ? Jesus Christ is the solution for our problem. You know, God had a plan from the beginning, and as you live that out and you start to fully understand it, you start to give thanks to God because that ultimately is where your hope lies. You can give thanks for the hope that God has for you today. You can, if you've already got it, it's something to celebrate. And as you move into Thanksgiving, I, I pray that, you know, it's only... 11 days away, man. It's, it's coming up. Before you know, Christmas will be here. We'll be celebrating the birth of the baby Jesus. We're going to have him in the manger, and then 2021's coming, and the next thing you know, we're going to be halfway through 2020. And I tell you, something's coming next year. 
You know, you either come out of it, you're either in it, or you're going into it. And I guarantee you that next year we're going to be saying, hey, remember when we thought COVID was bad? (laughs) There's something always coming. But that's not where our hope lies. You have hope that sees you through that. And so I, I pray that our passage from Romans today, if you, if you are a Christ follower, would encourage you in your faith and give you something that you're excited for, that you can be thankful for, that you can share with other people. But if you don't have that hope today, then that's something that you can grasp a hold of. There are so many people that are lonely. They're by themselves. They have no hope. And all I just want to say to them is, Lord, that is not God's design for you. You don't have to live that way. This hope that we have in Christ, you can have too. You just need to ask Christ to come into your life. And you can experience the same hope that we have as Christ followers. You can share with us the hope that we have in the reality of heaven. You can share the fact that God has a plan. You can be thankful for that. You can, you can, you can be thankful for all, all these three things, at least that we looked at today, that, that God's going to strengthen you. You have the assurance of heaven. He's going to strengthen you, and he's going to work in your life. And so you don't have to go through this life stuck in worldly hope. It's going to let you down. I'm going to let people down. We're going to let each other down. We let each other down in my family all the time. You know, I'm always having to apologize for something. People around us are going to let us down. Our jobs are going to let us down. Our finances are going to let us down. You know, the election's going to let us down. Everything's going to let us down except for one thing. We know that God has a plan and we have our hope in him. And so you can ask Christ to come into your life this morning. And it's really, it's really simple. And it's, it's more than just the words. You know, but if you can acknowledge this sin problem and know that Jesus Christ is the solution, if you believe that and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, it's as simple as asking him to come into your life. It's that simple. You need to believe it with your head and your heart. And you ask Christ to come into your life and to take control and to be Lord. And you ask the Father to start conforming you into the likeness of his son. And then you, you get to celebrate the things that we can hope for because of who we are as Christ followers. It's as simple as saying, I want to be your child. I want to be saved from my sin. I believe that your son, Jesus, is God. That he, through his death on the cross, it paid the penalty for my sin. That he came back to life. He was resurrected from the dead. And when he comes back, if I'm a Christ follower, I know he's going to take me to be with him as best as I know how. I want to ask you, Lord, to come into my life and take control. It's that simple. That prayer is referred to as a prayer of salvation. We talked about it again last week. I'm still having conversations with people that are not quite sure if they have a relationship with Christ or not. You can seal that today. The Spirit of God is working in your life. Even if you're not a Christ follower, the Spirit of God still works in our lives, and he's drawing people into a relationship with himself, and you can ask Christ into your life today. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm going to just uh, spend the next minute in silence. If you do not have a relationship with Christ this morning, I want to invite you to consider the claims of the cross, consider the reality of the resurrection, and think about the passages that we have shared last week and this week, and just ask Christ to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. And so just pray with me if that's your desire. Father, I just thank you that you have a plan for me, that you have hope for me that is steadfast and unchanging. Um, Father, I believe that uh, your son, Jesus, is, is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was resurrected from the grave. And that when he comes back, if I'm a Christ follower, if you're in my heart, that I'm going to spend eternity with him in heaven. And I look forward to that day as best as I know how. I want to ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's your desire this morning, or if you prayed that prayer, if that's something you want to know a little bit more about, um, if you're watching online with us this morning, there's a place to say, hey, today I want to commit my life to Christ. And you can click that link, 
and uh, we've got some information that we'll share with you. We'd love the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, if you have questions still, um, I would love to talk with you. Any of our pastoral staff or any of our leaders would love the opportunity to talk with you about how to have a relationship with Christ. Our church exists not to maintain a building, um, not just to do Christian things. Springbrook Community Church exists to reach our community for Christ. There are people in our community that don't have the hope that we have. There are people that have questions about God, the Bible, and how to have a relationship with Christ. And we exist to help them find those answers. And so if you want to know more about that, we would love to talk with you. We also exist to build passionate followers. Passionate being the key word. Not people that just pray the prayer and then go on doing life as they see fit, but are living with Jesus as Lord, and they're growing in their faith. They're being conformed to the image of their son. They're growing in maturity. They're, they're using their gifts to build up the body of Christ, and they're excited about it. And so we exist to reach this community for Christ and to build passionate followers. And it's my prayer that as we move through the end of this year, as we start thinking about making plans for next year, and you can pray for me and our elder board. We're working on our budget next year. Um, I'm praying on looking at some, uh, some teaching series for next year. We're at a critical, pivotal time in our, in our ministry as we prepare to finish strong this year and look forward to what God has for us next year. And I just want to thank you uh, for your work, for your sacrifice and your giving and your serving uh, that make this ministry possible. We exist so that others might come to have and know the hope that we have in Christ. I pray that you're encouraged today. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this uh, beautiful day you've given us today. It's a little chilly, but uh, God, uh, we're breathing and we're thankful. <laughs> every, every breath that we take comes from you. And um, God, I just thank you for your call in our life. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. God, that you have rescued us uh, from this brokenness, that we do not have to succumb to it, that we can rise above it. I pray that you would continue to grow us in our faith and uh, strengthen us in our faith, God. And I just thank you for the hope and the reality of the resurrection. I thank you for the hope of of heaven. I thank you for the hope that you are alive and at work. And God, I just thank you that, um, that you are working in our lives, and that you love us and that you care about us. And I pray that you would continue to strengthen us. And that we commit this day to you for your glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pastor Matt is going to be uh, teaching next week. We're going to be looking at how good God is. He has a plan. He gives us hope, and he is good. And then uh, he's going to be kicking off a new series uh, a week after that on Easter. And then I'm working uh, with Bethany. He's going to be uh, coming back soon to be on this platform with us. And so we're working on our Christmas Eve service as well. And we're getting ready for next year. I am so excited about what I know God is going to do in and through us. I hope you can join us on this journey that we're on together. I hope you have a great day. May you go in peace uh, to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day. Hard times.